0: Welcome, witches, to Witchcraft from A to Z, your go to witchy podcast for finding the magic hidden among the mundane. My name is Elaine Evergreen, a practicing witch of over 15 years now, and I'll be your host this week. Today's episode is all about the well loved and versatile flower. For as long as human history has been recorded, flowers have been used all around the world to honor, celebrate, and practice. All that is deemed sacred and special. From love to death, flowers have been given to those both physical and spiritual to honor them and show them your appreciation for some factor that makes them important to you. In addition to their uses for decorative and honorary purposes, flowers are often edible and nutritious, or medicinal and healing, or even deadly. It only makes sense that witches and magical practitioners have used flowers in their spellwork for as long as we have known about witchcraft. So let's talk history and folklore, beginning with flowers during major festivals common among those who practice witchcraft these days still. For Beltane or May Day, May flowers were said to bloom on the day of the festival, which marked the return of summer. Now, although this doesn't fit nowadays, the calendar was slightly different um, during the time that this legend was created. So it was very common for mayflowers to bloom on the day that marked the return of summer. And Mayflowers were brought indoors on May Day, uh, which was thought to assure good fortune, whereas if you brought them indoors before May Day, it would be associated with bad luck. In one folklore, elder flowers were traditionally used in Oxfordshire on Midsummer's Eve. Everyone would gather around the Kingstone at the Rollright Stones and cut the elder flowers, which is called bleeding the elder. If you hear some tip-tapping, that's my my dog promptly leaving the room because he realized how boring this was. So at this cutting. Of the elder flowers, the bleeding of the elder, the king stone was said to move his head. This comes from the legend of a Danish king who was going to fight for the English crown and had asked the elder tree witch what his fate would be. Hi Mochi. The elder tree witch, in reply, turned him and his army into stone which prevented them from going to battle. This stone circle is still surrounded by elders to this day. And even today, we see specific flowers used for, used for certain holidays, like poinsettias for winter holidays and marigolds for holidays like Dia de los Muertos. And excuse my butchering of the Spanish language. We also place flowers at the graves of our loved ones, and those we wish to show that we remember them, and we give roses to those we love and who we are courting. Flowers can be seen in many of our popular media and stories which most of us grew up watching, like the rose stolen by Bill's father, and the one used to hold beast under a spell in Beauty and the Beast. The culinary purposes for flowers are also plenty. Some of the most common culinary flowers I can come up with from the top of my head includes violets, roses, jasmine, elderflower, dandelion, and lavender. From teas to candies to fritters, flowers can be delicious, nutritious, and a fun way to bring some magic into your dietary habits. Medicinally many flowers have the ability to regulate hormones relax the mind and body reduce inflammation and fever and to strengthen the immune system but there are also flowers that have the ability to harm and even to kill now because i'm not a doctor or a master herbalist for that matter and because there are many herbs and flowers that can interact with certain medications such as hormonal birth control i'm not going to recommend or tell you what flowers to consume and what not to as certain ones have been known to reduce the effectiveness of certain medications. I will only tell you that I personally love lavender and rose teas to relax and I put linden flower in teas when I am ill to speed my own recovery. One thing I recommend for anyone who is interested in herbalism and using nature in their practice is to get to know your local herbs and flowers. In doing that, you're not only developing a more environmentally friendly practice, but you are honoring the land at which you practice on, and in return, you'll learn much more than if you used ingredients and items only found across the nation, or the world for that matter. I mean, remember, every attribute, you know, could represent some other magical purpose, from color, to the type of soil it grows in, to the conditions of the weather that it has to have in order to successfully grow. So going local is the best way to have the most accurate, the most environmentally friendly, and the most effective practice. So in my area, the flowers that do best are hibiscus, any citrus blossoms, jasmine, rose, dandelion, magnolia, and many varieties of flowers from plants that are considered weeds. I prefer to forage or grow my own flowers, as it's a great way to ground yourself and connect yourself with the land, and it helps connect me with my own spirituality. I love using hibiscus flowers, which grow in abundance and variety around me, in teas and ice drinks to ignite passions and relationships, or in a project I'm working on which is the most common use. Hibiscus also works great at adding red tones to your hair. Lavender flowers are everywhere in my bedroom and my primary bathroom. I keep them in tiny bags around and under my bed to improve sleep. And I keep bags of lavender in my drawers to keep my clothes smelling fresh, but also reducing stress when I wear them. I often use rose petals and buds to make a tea, which I give as an offering to Freya, who is my main deity. Beyond using flowers as offerings for your deities and making tea and herb bags, flowers can be used to dress candles, smoke cleanse, to create witch bottles, and other spells. The spell of this week, involving flowers, is one to honor the moon and all her glory. For this spell, all you need is a white candle and local flowers which are in full bloom. You want to match the stage at which the flowers are blooming with the stage at which the moon is in. So if you are doing a full moon, you are going to want full bloomed flowers. So arrange your flowers into a circle to represent the full moon and place your white candle in the center and light it. Sitting comfortably in front of the moon altar you've just created, close your eyes and bask in the energy coming from it and from the moon herself. Thank her for the power she has shared with you, the light she shines to help you see at night, the cool air she brings, or the calm sleep she gifts you then focus on what you desire to gain or accomplish during the next moon cycle and your plan to get there. I mean, you want to get it completed, preferably before the next new moon or the next full moon. Once you have a solid goal in mind and feel renewed, blow out your candle or let it burn down if it's a small votive or tea light candle. And that's it! I hope you learned a few things to add into your magical practice using commonly found flowers and plants around your home. Remember to connect with nature and ground yourself whenever you get a chance, and to always choose local if possible. I'd love to hear from you all, so if you ever have any questions about certain attributes of an item, you want some witchy advice, or you just want to share something about your magical practice, please submit a message to me on my Anchor page at anchorfm witchcraft A to z. I've shared the link in the description of this podcast, as well as any resources that I may have used during the research for this episode. Don't forget to download and subscribe where you listen to podcasts and share with anyone you know who needs just a little more magic in their life. Until next time, witches.